Welcome to our Sunday night worship service. How's everyone doing? My double dippers out there, raise your hand. Who's been to church already today? Yeah, I love it. Right on. I love my double dippers. Some of you have been here three times today already. Yeah. Um, I'm stoked. Uh, For those of you who I have not met, I'm going to meet you by the end of tonight. My name is Zach, and it is a pleasure uh, to be with you tonight on Sunday night worship service. Um, We're going through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ in chronological order. That is our series uh, that we are going through. We are going to endeavor. We're probably going to be in it for a very long time. Uh, But tonight we are going to be in Matthew chapter 12. If you want to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand nice and high, and Jason will be faithful to get one of you. Mark, tisk tisk, going to church without a Bible, it's like going to the beach in your jeans. It's not right. It's just not right. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We love you so much, Father, and and I thank you, God, just for how merciful you are and how how faithful you are to us, Lord. And and I pray for every single person in this room, Lord. Father, I pray that you would refresh them with your word tonight. God, that your Holy Spirit would dwell richly in this place, Lord, and we would worship you, Lord, not only in song and communion, Father, but also with our minds, Lord, studying your word, Lord. God, I confess to being... uh, ill-equipped to preach this message, Lord. I confess to uh, having looked at this passage, Lord, and, and not very confident in it, in it myself, Lord. And so we need you, Lord. We need you tonight. And I pray that you come in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. So we're going to get right into it. Matthew chapter 12. Uh, last week we learned about how, how uh, Jesus was eating with a bunch of tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees looked at Jesus, him, him eating with these people. I said it was like the equivalent of Pastor Rob or myself or Pastor Brett um, eating with a bunch of uh, people at a gay pride parade. Or a bunch of dirty politicians. If you would see somebody like that, if you would see an esteemed rabbi or somebody that you respected or somebody that you listened to, uh, you would look at them and say, why the heck are, are they hanging out with someone like that? And, and Jesus said... Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And, and we learn that, that what inhibits us many times from coming into Jesus' righteousness is our own righteousness. Uh, many times, you know, we, we think ourselves so righteous that we lose sight of God's righteousness. And then many times, the good things that we do for Jesus inhibit us from actually being with Jesus. And we, I, I challenged you guys last week, are the good things that you're doing, are, are the things that you're doing for Jesus, do they even require Jesus? Do they even re- require his power? Do they even require his spirit? And then we had communion and it was a wonderful time. And we're going we're gonna to extend on this whole concept of legalism as we look at another issue that Jesus had with the Pharisees tonight. So Matthew chapter 12 verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered into the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat? 
nor for those who are with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read that in the law on the Sabbath and the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. All right. Let's get into it. I want to I want to make sure I want to make sure something's clear to you all just just right off the bat because of the way I think and the way that I read scripture. I saw, you know, you know the disciples they they're plucking grain. You know, they're probably they're going across the wheat fields, all right? They they're going across a bunch of fields and the disciples they're hungry, right? So so they start snacking on some grain. That's over there. And they're not stealing anything. You know, it was lawful, actually biblical, that if you're a farmer and you have a lot of crops and there's wanderers coming around and, and, and they're hungry, they just want a snack, then, then they're allowed to eat of your crop. That's biblical. Okay, that's sharing. We call that sharing in, in kindergarten. We learn about it. It's pretty, it's a cool concept. Okay, and it's biblical. And so, so, these, so, these, so these disciples, if they're not stealing. They're not breaking the law in any way. The Pharisees have an issue, not with the fact that they were taking grain and they were eating it, but the fact that they were doing so on the Sabbath. The fact that they were doing so on the Sabbath. The issue with these Pharisees is that they were, quote, harvesting on the Sabbath, picking grain just to plop in their mouths really quick, just eating it like sunflower seeds. Apparently, that's harvesting to the Pharisees. And to us, this seems preposterous, but... You know, how on earth is that harvesting? And, and, and we look and we, and we see, since the Pharisees had a problem with this, and we know that the Pharisees are very good with God's law, they're very good with God's word, and so we say, my immediate response to this is, why does God's word uh, prohibit the disciples from picking grain on the Sabbath? And you know, they just want a snack, you know, why would God do that? But we are going to learn that that's not even in the law. That's just something that the Pharisees made up. That's just something that the Pharisees had for themselves. They had this long list that we're going to go through, just a short list that I'm going to go through, but one out of many, many laws that they had made up for themselves. Actually, that wasn't in God's law at all. And, you know, we see in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, this is what God says about the Sabbath. He says, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath Sabbath and the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your cattle nor your stranger who is in uh, who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. He made it holy. He made it set apart. This is what God did, but the Pharisees had warped God's law in several ways. And, and I'll explain this to you. There are 613 commandments in the Old Testament. There, there are 613 commandments in the Torah. Okay, it seems like a lot to us because we're Christians. We don't really pay attention to the law that much, even though we should. All right, we should pay attention to what's in the Old Testament. You know, take, take a look at Numbers. Take a look at Leviticus and just, just take a look at what, what God really wanted for his society. And we're going we're gonna to learn about that a little bit. But, you know, there's 613 commandments, clear, crisp commandments. Now, to put that in context with you, there's more in our Constitution than that. There's more that we have, you know, in just the state of California than that. Okay, so don't freak out at the number 613. It's actually not that big, okay? 613 commandments in the entire Torah, okay? 
But then the Jews made a commentary, you know, kind of just to, to comment on those 613 uh, commandments. And, and they called it the Midrash. Okay, and then, you know, they made a commentary on the commentary called the Mishnah. Okay, and then they made a commentary on the commentary on the commentary called the Gemara. Okay, so so we had the Midrash was the commentary on the law, the Mishnah, which is the commentary on the Midrash, and then the Gemara, which is the commentary on the Midrash and the Mishnah. Okay, these fair, and then we have that. That's all called the Talmud. Maybe you guys have heard of that, the Talmud, and and that's uh, the Talmud have under over five hundred and twenty-two books. Not laws, books, okay? 522 books with two volumes per book, okay? Some had three volumes, all right? So, so, so we learned that the Pharisees, they saw God's law. They saw what God had set for this city. And the Pharisees, they decided, you know what? To be more holy, let's make more rules. And, 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 and you know... To us, it seems a little odd, but sometimes we do this. Sometimes we do this, to be honest, in Christianity. You know what? We need to respect the house of God. You know what? We should probably dress a little nice. Do you know what? We should probably tuck in our shirts a little bit. Do you know what? We should probably wear ties, too. Uh, women only wear dresses only. And, you know, ch- you know churches do this. You know what I mean? Where, where, where we take something that's, that's, that's of good heart and, and we kind of expand on it. To make it more holy, we kind of put more rules on top of it. Because holy means set apart, so naturally the, the logical thinking is that we make it more set apart. But, but the Pharisees had lost this concept that it's not set apart because it's a rule. It's set apart because it's God's rule. Okay, A rule in and of itself is not holy at all. It, the, the holiness comes with God's word. And they try to make it more holy by putting more rules in. But because it was their rules, it wasn't holy at all. In fact, they had lost the holiness in their legalism. And so here, I'm I'm, going to explain to you what some of the Talmud said about the Sabbath specifically. And just to put it in context, when these Pharisees saw uh, the disciples picking grain and just popping in their mouths, just having a little snack, they're tired, they're hungry, okay? They, They want food. It's lawful. It's okay. But just to put it in context for you, the Talmud says this about the Sabbath. You could not wear false teeth on the Sabbath. You couldn't wear false teeth because if you spazzed out for some reason and your teeth fell out, you couldn't pick them back up because you could not carry anything that weighed more than a dried fig leaf. Listen, I'm, that, come on. All right, uh, uh, women, women, you, got, you really got the short end of the stick on the Sabbath. All right, you really did. Women could not wear jewelry on the Sabbath because if someone complimented them, they might be tempted to sell their jewelry to somebody else. Yeah. Women could not look in the mirror on the Sabbath because they were afraid that if a woman looked in the mirror and saw a gray hair, that she would pluck it out, thus be harvesting, farming. How many of you go crops in your hair? Hope not. You could not carry anything heavier than a dried fig leaf. I already explained that. A child could not throw something, something in the air with his right hand and catch it with his left hand. However, he could throw something with his left hand and catch it in his right hand. However, he could not catch something that he threw with his right hand. And he could not catch something in his left hand that he threw with that same left hand. Weird. Odd. 
They thought this was more holy. Listen, listen to this. This is my favorite. You cannot drag a chair across the room because it may churn up dust and thus be plowing. You cannot drag a chair across. I just want to sit. It's the Sabbath. I want to relax. Don't touch that chair. Don't touch that chair. Going to hell if you touch that chair. Don't you dare. All right. So, so people, people if, if they drug and dust churned up, that was, hard, that, that, was, that was plowing. That was farming to them. It, it, it's absurd. You cannot scrape dirt off of your shoes because it was considered moving dirt, which is um, farming. You cannot mow your lawn because even plucking one blade of grass on the Sabbath was a sin. You cannot spit unless it was on a stony surface because uh, they were afraid that you might accidentally fertilize the ground and a crop would grow there. This was the mind. You cannot swat a fly because it was considered hunting. I'll tell you what you could do on the Sabbath, though. You could stand there (laughs) and breathe. Not too hard, though. You could stand there and breathe. You can sit and breathe, but make sure you didn't move the chair to sit down. You can sit on the floor, but make sure not to get dust, because if you carry dust on your clothes and you wipe it off, you're considered moving dirt, and that's considered farming as well. (laughs) Miserable. Miserable. There's something that God had set apart for rest. Something that God had made a holy. Something God that he had intended it for good. They've created this, this stupid, stupid, yes, mindset. Where, where, okay, okay, God set rules, and these rules are holy, so we have to have more rules, and we'll be more holy. But it's not holy because it's a rule. It's holy because God established it. Whatever God establishes is holy. We have to make sure we know this, even, even in our own Christian lives. Just because God commands something, it doesn't mean we add to that command to make it even more holy. These people elevated their words above God's, okay? They, they really did, okay? They elevated their words above God. And do you know how I know this? I know this because Jesus three times in this passage alludes to, have you not read this? Have you not read this? Have you not read this? Implying that these Pharisees had known so much about the Talmud, but so little about the actual word of God, that their obedience and their sacrifice was actually unholy. Their obedience to God, their legalism, their obedience in sacrifice turned out to be rubbish. You know, I heard a woman storm out of a service one day. She was in the lobby complaining about the music being too loud. And, you know, we, got, we get a lot of those people. You know, we, we get a lot of people, ah, oh, the music's too loud, the music's too loud, you know. But, but this woman said something very interesting that I overheard. I didn't say anything. I wanted to so bad. For those of you who know me, I, I, just, ah, I wanted to say something. But it's funny because I remember one particular Sunday was super anointed. It was just people were singing. People were raising their hands. People were praising God. And do you know what? Just a side note. All right, Dane and I were talking earlier. Do you know it's a commandment to praise God? Do you guys, uh, I don't think people realize that during worship that it's actually a command and not a suggestion. 
I, I just a side note because this this is a, a night of worship. This is the worship nights that we have that, that God actually commands that we worship Him because He's worthy of it, and we want to, right? But anyways, you know, one main reason why it was so loud was because people were actually singing, people were actually worshiping, right? That that's why the room was so loud, okay? And she was complaining about it, and and she said this. She said this. Very specifically, she says, don't they know that God hates all this noise? (laughs) That's what she said. She said, don't they know that God hates all this noise? He says it. Guys, I'm like, say what? Where, Where did God say that? In fact, in Psalm 100, it says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Actually, you know, in, in the Old Testament, they had trumpets. Four trumpets at every corner of the room during worship. We couldn't get away with that at church here. People would never come. It'd be so loud that people couldn't even hear themselves think. Okay, trumpets everywhere. That's biblical. Noise is actually biblical. Okay? And you know what? I understand. Some people, they can't, you know handle it. It's okay. But she said, don't they know that God hates all this noise? And I said, that's not in God's word. Don't they know that God blank? And then we see here, the Pharisees say, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath. Don't they know that picking that grain on the Sabbath, God hates that. And Jesus said, Where does God say that? Show me. Guys, know what God says. That's how Eve got deceived. Satan's like, did God really say? And Eve wasn't sure of herself. She didn't have really confidence in what God said. That's the root of sin. Did God really say? That's the root of legalism. God says this. No, he doesn't. You say that. Know God's word. And, and here's what I'm getting at at all of this. Don't you hate it when, when people take your words out of context? Has that ever happened? Where you say something and, and people are like, ah, oh, you know, this, you know, Weston said this. Or, you know, it's like Travis said this. Or Brett said, you know, it's like, it's like, don't you hate it when that happens? When people take your words out of context. You say something and people are just overhearing, Right? That's what happens, I feel like, sometimes when people don't read their word and they just come to church, right? Because sometimes they can hear it out of context. Because a lot of the times when Pastor Rob is speaking, when I speak, when any of the pastors or teachers speak, a lot of the times we're we're speaking in a way where we know the word of God, and sometimes we assume that you have this certain working knowledge of the word of God, but many times if people just come to church and they don't have a working uh, relationship in reading the word of God, they can take these things out of context sometimes. And I, I feel like many times God word, God's word is taken out of context more than anyone else's, really. More than anyone else's. And, and let's take the Garden of Eden, for example. Genesis 2.17 says, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Now, this is right after Adam uh, was created, right? This is right after Adam, boom, out of the dust, God breathed life into him. And then we think, because if we don't have a working knowledge of scripture, we'll think this. God made man, God made animals, the earth, all that stuff. God made man, then God said, don't eat this. Right? This is, many, this is the perspective of the world and Christians who really don't know their Bible. Okay? And so, so God made man, and then he put a restriction on man. 
That's, that's what we think. That's what I think, at least, you know, when I'm just recollecting, all right, the story of the fall of man. I'm like, well, of course. What, what else was Adam supposed to do, buddy? Right? I mean, like, what else was he supposed to do? He was created. He was there. Oh, this is cool. Oh, I can't eat that. Well, what else am I supposed to do? Right? That's what we think. In our, in our minds, this is, you know, we're just like, geez, God, just let him do stuff. Right? But, you know, right before that, God said, what? Everything is for you. That's what he said. That's what he said before he told Adam, hey, don't eat this, bro. All right, he said, everything, man, it's all yours. Everything, all the trees, all the animals, everything is yours. All of it. I give you everything except this one thing. Just don't do it. You'll die. You'll die. You won't live. Everything is yours. Many times we think, oh, gosh, it's got a restriction. Hey, don't eat, don't eat. But what else was he supposed to do? No, he had everything else. Everything else. A lot of times we take God's law out of context, you know. God's commandments. You know what his first commandment was? Not the first commandment, but God's first command ever. Let there be light. God's first command that he ever gave was a command of liberty, a command of freedom. Let there be light. Let my goodness spread throughout the entire world. Let there be light. God's first command wasn't a command of restriction, but liberty. Let there be light. God is a God of liberty. Some of you have come here tonight thinking that God is a God of restriction, but there couldn't, you couldn't be more false. God is a God of liberty and freedom. Exodus, you know, we look at the Ten Commandments, for example, and, and, and we look at the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. God's a party pooper. Buzzkill, cosmic buzzkill. It's the worst. God's a God of rules and regulations and God wants to bind us. God wants to shackle us. He doesn't want me to be free, man. I'm free spirited. YOLO. I work with junior high. You know how frustrating that is? Dude, I just want to do my own thing, man. <laughs> you want to you wanna sin, dude. <laughs> like... You saying, I just want to do my own thing. I want to live my own life. That's you saying, I really, really want to sin really bad. Like, don't, don't, don't lie. Just say what it is. You know, when you're saying, I just want to do my own thing. You're saying, I want to sin. When you're saying, I just want some me time. You know, I just, yeah, I, I'm not going to go to church today. I just want some me time. What you're saying is, I kind of want to sin today. Come on. You know, it's like, it's like I just want to do my own thing. Are you, you're fooling yourself. And we think God's a God of restriction. We, we think God is a God of bondage. We think God is, is a God of regulation. But however, right before the Ten Commandments, do you know what he said? Right before the Ten Commandments, he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Right before he laid out these rules, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, he reminded them, I brought you out of slavery. Do you think I'm going to put you back into slavery? 
No, I'm not going to I'm not going to shackle you with these rules. But you've been under slavery all these years. You don't know how to be a nation. You don't know how to run as a country. So I'm going to give you these things so you can learn how to thrive. You can learn how to flourish. You can learn how to be a holy city. You can learn how to be a holy country that will be set apart. And every country from generation to generation will look at Israel, this holy city, and say, that is what we want to be like. That's why God had the Ten Commandments. That's why God established the law. That's why God established these sacrifices. Because he wanted Israel to be this holy city set apart. So every generation can look back at them and say they did it right. And then he created the law to go and reflect and foreshadow the coming of Christ. That would not only bring liberty and holiness to one specific city, one specific country, one specific nation, but to the entire world. This was it. This was the purpose of the law. Why would God go through so much effort to liberate his people from the bondage of Egypt if he was just going to bond them again and bind them again with the law? Do not see the Ten Commandments as this restrictive set of rules. Many of the laws, most of the laws, were meant and intended for blessing. See, God gave them the Sabbath so they can enjoy the Lord, man. Man, so they can relax. So they can just sit, worship God with their family, worship God with their friends, come soak in the Holy Spirit, get refreshed for a new week of work. This was the point of the Sabbath. One of the points of the Sabbath. We're going to learn about the other point of the Sabbath later. Now, this was it. God wanted them to relax. God wanted them to rejoice and just take a deep breath in God's presence. Man, how we need that. Man, how I need that. Especially working in ministry. Just, just resting in God's presence. That was, the, that was the purpose of the Sabbath. I'm setting this, this is going to be a holy day set apart. It's a set apart day where you can look forward to on on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're going to be like, my Sabbath is coming, man. And I'm going to do some awesome stuff with Jesus. This is the point. God doesn't want you to hold anything above him because nothing can bless you the way he can. That's the, that's the point of the command, first commandment, right? Right? Don't have any gods before me because they can't bless you like I can. Teenagers, me, young men, okay? I, as a young man, I have come to the realization that God's commandment for me to remain pure until marriage, that's not a restriction. It's a blessing waiting to happen, okay? Because I don't want to look my wife in the eye and tell her all that I've done. I don't want to do that. I want God to bless me, Right? And so, so me remaining pure until marriage, that's not a restriction, okay? That's, not, that's not, not something inhibiting me from joy. Rather, it's joy being ready, it being prepared. God is taking that specific joy that I want to have really bad, okay? Young men, can I get a whoop whoop? Yeah, all right. Yeah, it's hard. It's difficult. It's frustrating. However... I'm coming to terms with it because I know that the Lord has a blessing stored up for me. Right? Right? 
And so God doesn't also, thou shall not covet, right? This is a law, okay? He, he wants to bless you with your own things. He, doesn't want, you, he can't bless you with your own things when you're eyeballing someone else's. Every no, every no in the Bible has a yes to it. Know this. Every thou shalt not has a so thou shalt to it. Every rule, every regulation, every rule and law in the Bible, every no that God has for you is a yes to something else. Something better. But however, that's the whole, the yes is the holy part. The yes is what God has stored up for you if you would just obey him. However, the Pharisees, they focused on the no. And they thought the no was the holy part about it. They thought the no, the restriction was what made it holy. Absolutely not. Jesus Jesus rebukes that mindset all the time. Where people think that, that sacrifice is God's enjoyment. Your suffering is God's enjoyment. Jesus rebukes that to suffer is to be holy. Jesus said in Mark 2.28, the Sabbath was made for men, not man for the Sabbath. The law is made for you. You're not made for the law. God wants us to rest. And I'm going to focus in on the Sabbath here, and then we're going to close soon. God desires for his people to have rest, but, but the Sabbath is really incomplete in and of itself. The establishment of the Sabbath, which is Saturday, not Sunday. It's Sunday now because we, it's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. You know, a lot of us, we take our Sabbath on Sunday. I personally, and many people on staff, take our, our Sabbath on Monday, okay? But it's a set-apart day, okay? You shall, you shall keep this day holy, all right? I have six days of work and a Sabbath. And then... The Sabbath that was intended to give us rest and and the law was intended to give us blessings and the structure of the Bible gives us all a mere shadow, okay? It's an outlining and the substance is Christ, okay? And I know this by Colossians 2.17, it says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. Meaning that the whole point of the Sabbath is to foreshadow Jesus. The whole point of every law, the whole point of every, every single commandment is to foreshadow the coming of Christ. Christ is going to fulfill the entire law. And so we know that, that, that the, the Sabbath is incomplete without Jesus. Rest in and of itself is incomplete without Jesus. Okay? Uh, it's a shadow of things to come. Okay, the law is merely an outlining of Christ and Christ fills it in the substance. That's that's Christ. Right before this passage in Matthew 12, we see Jesus say in Matthew 11 verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My burden is light. If you are anything like me, you're going to try to find solace in doing things. Okay? Some of you aren't like this. Me personally, I find solace. I find almost, I, I strive for holiness by doing things. Some people are the opposite. They find holiness in not doing anything and kind of just reading the entire time. 
Okay, but I, I, most of the time I find solace in, in doing things for God. Now, somehow we trick ourselves into thinking that our walk with God is is supposed to be hard. Okay, and I don't mean hard like, as in persecution and difficulty. That's definitely going to happen. But a lot of the times we trick ourselves into thinking that the more spiritual people are the people that have more rules set out for themselves that they try to always follow. You see these people, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't, wow, you must be really holy. No, uh, they're actually weaker, because they need all those rules. See, if Christ is enough for you, it's, it's all going to be yes, and the, the no's aren't necessary. Uh, and then I, I want to go back here. I'm going to close with this. It all comes back to Jesus, Okay. You have to know this. The entire Bible, all of it comes back to Jesus. Okay? Even the Sabbath. Even something like the Sabbath, it all comes back to Jesus. All right? And that's what Jesus says right here. He says, and we're going to read verses 3 through 8. But he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him. How he entered the house of God and he ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat. For for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and you would, you would have not condemned the guiltless. And then this is very important. For the Son of Man is the Lord, even over the Sabbath. Jesus is Lord, even over the Sabbath. Jesus says that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He provides the rest. Know this. There's no amount of spare time that will give you enough rest. There is no amount of free time. There's no vacation that will completely satisfy you in your weary state. It's not, it's non-existent. There's no time off in the world that can provide the rest that your soul desperately desires. God knew this. Jesus quotes the book of Hosea when he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And this, this, this really racked my brain because it was their last service. He said the same thing to the Pharisees. He said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. When, when the Pharisees were complaining about the disciples uh, and Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors. And I really brazed over it because I really didn't understand. But I understand it in this passage. I understand it. He mentions David and his men. He said, when David and his men were tired and hungry, this, this is in First uh, Samuel chapter 21, I believe. Where David and his men were weary. They were running from Saul. They, were, they had, had several battles before, and, and they came to this temple in this one city. And they were hungry. They were tired and weary. And they said, do you have anything to eat? And they said, all we have is the ceremonial bread. Now, if you look in Levitical law, that ceremonial bread was specifically for the priests after they had blessed it and set it apart. It was holy. But the priests, seeing how weary they were, seeing how weary David and his men were, seeing how much they needed sustenance, handed the bread over to them. Now, that's against the law. That's against the law, okay? Not only was it the Sabbath, but also that bread was not intended for them, but only for the priests. And it was not the priests to give, but they gave it to them. On the Sabbath, what Jesus also, Jesus also mentions that, that the priests profane the Sabbath every Sabbath. Do you know why? Because the priests, when everyone else is resting, are taking pigs. Or not pigs, sorry. No, definitely not pigs. <laughs> They're Jews. Okay. 
sheep. They're taking sheep. They're taking goats. They're ta- and, they're, and, they're, and they're killing them. They're sacrificing them. They're skinning them. They're getting all the fats. Now, now they didn't have electrical tools back then. It, to be a priest, you had to be kind of yoked. You know, you had, you, had to be, you had to be fit, all right? Because there's a lot of work that went into being. They had to clean the temple, okay? They had to lift things. They had to do all of this stuff on the Sabbath. They profaned the Sabbath every single Sabbath, apparently. But that was so everyone else could rest, And so that they could make the proper sacrifices so they could beg God for mercy for their people. Mercy. Mercy. When David and his men were tired and hungry, the priests broke the law by giving him ceremonial bread. They showed David mercy. David was an outlaw, technically, at that time. On the Sabbath, the priests labor all day so they can beg God for mercy for their people. It's mercy God wants, not sacrifice. It's mercy that brings us true rest. Think about this. What's mercy? God not giving what we deserve, right? Grace is him giving what we don't deserve. Mercy is him not giving what we do deserve. I remember there was a time in seventh grade where there was a time in seventh grade where I uh, forged my mom's signature on a test. I got a, I got a like C minus. I didn't like that. She, I knew she wouldn't like that. So I forged her signature. I lied to her. I knew what I deserved. And I remember that I, I knew the phone call was coming. I knew the phone call was coming. And I knew what I deserved. And that anticipation was horrible. I've done many worse things, right? That's the small, small scale sin. You guys know when, when you know you deserve something that's coming to you? How stressful is that? How anxious do you get when you know you've done something wrong? How anxious do you get when you know you're speeding on the freeway and there's a cop right there? You pass by him 85 miles per hour and you're like, how anxious do you get? You went from, you know, oh yeah, you know, on the freeway to your heart pumping so fast, hoping that you don't get what you deserve. This is mercy. This is true rest. True rest comes from not getting what you deserve. How liberating is it when you do speed, the cop does pull you over and he lets you go. How how much weight is off your shoulders when that happens? It's the same thing with all the sin that we build up in our lives. All of that unrighteousness that we have, it creates in us this anticipation of wrath. We experience, whether we know it or not, our body does recognize it, by the way. Our souls recognize when judgment is coming. This, all this sin weighing on our shoulders, we are so guilty. But Jesus' liberating work on the cross is what brings us ultimate rest because we no longer get what we deserve. I was driving 90 miles per hour. God is the cop. 
Jesus provided a way. Listen. No true rest can happen without Jesus. None. That's what the Sabbath was supposed to foreshadow. That time of rest that people blocked with legalism. Don't block Jesus' liberating power with legalism and rules and dress codes. Do not add on to God's grace. Don't add on to God's mercy. It's the mercy that's going to give you rest. That's, he said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. God didn't punish David for eating that bread because of the mercy of the priests. God desires mercy, not sacrifice from you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And, and we're, we're going to enter into a time of worship. And what I, what I really want you to do in this time is rest. Oh man, rest. Just relax. And, and a lot of times people like to skip out of worship early. I understand that. But here on Sunday nights, we have extra long worship at the end. I want you to rest in God's presence. I, I want you to experience the mercy that God has given you. And you know what? I want you to recreate that, re-experience that by taking communion. I explained this last week. Here, here's, here's communion, right? God's body shed for you. Him laying down his life so that you don't get what you deserve. The wages of sin is death. And he took on that death for you on the cross. And then we have the cup here, which was very specific. Okay, I explained this last week. That cup is not just remembering Jesus' blood, which it is. But, the, but that, that blood, that blood that was shed and that cup that he gave the disciples, he said, this is my covenant, take and drink of it. What he was saying in that moment, he was saying, will you marry me? That's what Jesus was saying. Will you enter into this lifelong relationship with me? Will you enter into this covenant that I will not break, but you will? Will you enter into this with me? I will lay down my life so I can be with you for the rest of your life. I will lay down my life if you will just take and drink. Marry me is what he's saying. Enter into this relationship with me. Enter into this covenant with me. Take and drink of my blood because I have shed it for you and you specifically. Take God's mercy. Many of you try to find solace in different things. Whether it be acts of work or a drink at the end of the day. Find solace in the mercy of Jesus Christ. When you take this communion, take it knowing what Jesus has done for you. You don't have to take it. And take it liberally. Take it whatever time. We have four worship songs. You have that time to come up here and do work with God. But I would challenge you this evening to just rest in God's presence. Soak it in. Take a deep breath and just say, thank you, Lord spit out some praise. Amen. Lord, I thank you for these people. Pray that you bless them. Pray that you do a mighty work in their life, Lord. And I pray that you give them rest tonight. Give them rest tonight, Lord. 
they're weary, Lord. I'm weary. I know that there's weary people in here, Lord. Show us your mercy. Show us your grace, Lord, and let that liberate us, Lord. Let your mercy give us rest. As we take communion, Lord, remind us of how much you love us, that you broke your body for us, and then you laid down your life for us. And I pray as we drink that, that juice, Lord, we'd say, I do. We just say, I do. So we love you, Lord, and we worship you tonight with all that we are. Refresh us in your name, we pray.
Oh, to grace Oh, to grace I'll pay the tender Daily I'm constrained to leave Let thy grace now like a feather Find my wandering heart to leave Come to wander Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and save it. Seal it for thy courts above. See that again, prone to wander. Prone to wonder, Lord, I Some by faith 
Your love that my soul will live. 